Hello, and welcome to Page 29, the weekly podcast from the DePaulia. My name is Shane Renee, Editor-in-Chief of the 2019-2020 DePaulia staff. This week, we have a special episode uh, looking into a DePaulia investigation into what was formerly known as 1237 Apartments, now called Ion Apartments. Um, I've been on campus for a long time, and I've always looked at that building thinking it was very, very cool. Turns out... It's not. <laughs> With me to discuss, we have uh, most of the investigative team that worked on this story. Arts and Life Editor Ella Lee, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Opinions Editor Emma Oxenvon, how are you? Great. <laughs> Assistant Arts and Life Editor Kira Wingate, how are you? Fantastic. Awesome. Um, I want to say that uh, lots of hard work here from Bria Jones, who also worked on this team, uh, to come up with this reporting. Um, Unfortunately, she couldn't be here with, to do the podcast with us, but we'll jump into it. Um, whoever wants to start, <laughs> headline takeaways. Um, what What are the main things that DePaul students should know about this place? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Where do I begin? So, uh, I guess the main thing DePaul students should know is that um, what's maybe being advertised to them is not the experience that they would get if they lived there. Like you mentioned, I've lived on campus since I was, or lived, you know, been, I've been going to DePaul since I was a freshman. And I've always been really interested in 1237 West. You know, it was advertised for some time as part of off-campus housing and stuff. So, but, you know, at the same time, I heard a lot of really negative, like, stories from there. People saying it was kind of like a frat house. You know, it's kind of like a, just like a lawless sort of like rip-off sort of place where you pay a lot of money for really really bad accommodations and really poor quality so I mean that's kind of what sparked my interest in looking into it and after looking into it it's kind of what confirmed what was sort of already being rumored you know reports of crime and you know like um issues with management you know not helping with complaints from tenants um maybe issues with security also was a big thing that we talked about um and just a general feeling that people aren't happy living there mostly because what they expected was not um it wasn't the experience that they were maybe promised from the advertisement or you know like visiting or anything like that it just seems like it's not super true to what it actually is like living there Kira, what is the sell with this place like what are the what's the ion company like trying to pitch to its uh, tenants well like ella said this false reality this dystopian type of feel um they're trying to they're trying to sell a certain look and image that they think that young adults want and it's completely false uh, i'd say that they're they're trying to give a luxurious style of living and saying you live in chicago and i have gorgeous wall to floor ceiling windows and you you do get the windows with broken <laughs> blinds that don't work so you you do get some things that are said, but then there's those negative things that just completely outweigh any of the so-called pros. That's the only thing that they put on social media. And lots of like amenities there too, right? They, 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 it seems like they, they try to sell this like, you buy your apartment, you get access to all this stuff because there's so many like storefronts down mm. below it. So, ooh, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are, are these things that they can, that tenants can actually take advantage of, or do they? Yeah, I is mean, it worth the other drawbacks? No, I think that. No, <laughs> I think that one of the interesting things I actually didn't know until we started looking into this is that all their amenities are not included. They have to pay an extra fee to get all the, including like heat and water and stuff, and they're already paying between you know. A thousand and I think what like fourteen hundred, thirteen hundred dollars. I think it was like yeah, like nine fifty, nine fifty and thirteen hundred dollars, and like 
then on top of that, yeah. like that's just for the space. Like if they want to have laundry and free coffee, printing. you know, printing of heating, like if they want to have any of those amenities, they're going to have to pay this extra fee, which they make it seem like that's an option. But I mean, I feel like those things are necessities. Maybe not the coffee, but everything else, you know? Well, and it's, wor- it's worth mentioning, too. I mean, yeah, the coffee, which is, like, kind of, like, a frivolous, like, perk, is tied in with, like, necess- yeah, with the necessities, like, heating and water. But the thing is, too, is, like, you know, just looking around Chicago, I mean, you can find an apartment for a lot less that's, you know, near a storefront or near a coffee shop or has in-unit in yeah. laundry. Yeah. I, I know because I live in an Me apartment too. for a lot less with in-unit laundry near coffee. I can buy coffee. But, exactly. You know, it's like, no, I live, I think I live a seven-minute walk from 1237 West, and I pay more than half less than yeah. their lowest price. <laughs> and so it's just, it's just ridiculous, in my opinion. I also like to mention the fact that the furniture is also in the fee that you pay for and as we mentioned in the in the story itself you can't get out of paying for the furniture which means you can't bring any of your own things into it either which i find bothersome because no grown adult wants to sleep on a twin size mattress i personally do not want to even though they say it's extra large twin size that doesn't make sense in my opinion (laughs) um so i would just like to add that that's also in there to where you're you're paying for very crappy furniture and you have no option. You have no to, option. To, you can't take own. it out. You can't change it. And so you're paying for crap. That's the appropriate word to use here. <laughs> and uh, I think that's just funny because they advertise it for young adults. But no young adult wants a lime green closet <laughs> that won't fit any of your things. But but the interesting thing, too, is saying no young adult wants this. I feel, but I feel like the issue that, like, maybe tenants have is that the people who are choosing to live there aren't super informed about the process of, like, renting your own Absolutely. space. I mean, like, it's really easy to get scammed if, like, you don't know what you're doing, especially with, like, apartments in the city. I think we all know someone who knows someone who's had, like, a really shitty experience with a landlord. But it's, like, a lot of the people that live there are just, like, from what, like I said, I lived here when I was a freshman or a sophomore. So it's, like, of course you don't know what you're getting into because, like... You know, it's like, wow, this is too good to be true. I get this beautiful apartment in Lincoln Park with all this, all these nice amenities all included. And you get there, it's like, wait a minute. Like, I can find somewhere 10 minutes farther away from here and not be paying $1,000 a month. Plus seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I think the main, a, a big problem, like, is that people who are choosing to live there aren't super informed. And, like, they're kind of buying into this really attractive lifestyle that's found on their Instagram. You know, like, it's a beautiful building. I get why it's appealing to live there. It's right by campus, right by public safety, right by public transportation. You know, it feels safe and secure, but it's, like, just it's not worth it. Yeah, and one more thing I will add to that point, too, is that when we say that these people are paying between $900 and $1,200 a month, that is a piece. That is not per unit. That is per person. And so these units are going for, like, $4,000. And they're the size of, I mean, like what? Like a dorm suite yeah, plus yes. a kitchen. Also to add, it's advertised as 900 something a month. But in reality, you're paying over a thousand even for With amenities. those amenities. Even for, yeah, even in amenities for a four budget. So the cheapest amount you're playing, paying is still above a thousand dollars for that type of environment. Mm-hmm. It's like a Spirit Airlines flight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? You said it was the fire fest of apartments. I don't think I said that. I hope it was. I think 
I think it was just like that. So funny. <laughs> so funny. It's like the best comparison I've ever seen. I love do the it? Spirit Airlines. That was fantastic. Take well, a flight here. Well, it's like, and, and you can say that there's the responsibility of the tenants, you know, to know what they're getting into. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's not the comment that we had in our stories. You know, it's not the building's fault. The people just, you know, they don't know what they're paying. But the thing is, though, is like, I mean, if you, but we, we did a lot of research about this. Like, the Instagram advertising with their ads, it looks beautiful. It looks like, wow, what a beautiful, pristine building. And how, what a nice lifestyle. I'm like, you know, I could see myself buying into that if I were 18, Absolutely. 19. Well, I'm like, too, in, in this age of, like, Instagram, like, looking for these aesthetics and, yeah. like, wanting to, like, wanting to be... I mean, almost, like, a brand for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, it completely makes sense that, like, anyone moving to, like, you know, the big city is going to want to, like, look for these types of places. And I think that um, a lot of students ended up feeling manipulated. To add, I just would like to point out how they are easily manipulated because they are young. And then, for example, we we toured. And we were shown, obviously, a show, which is normal. They do have showrooms for, for places, but it's just... They, they know what they're doing. They're not, they're not stupid. They, they know how to get into a naive head and be like, you know, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get the Taylor Swift Lover album on this coffee table. <laughs> so and you're, you're going to get these really, really heavy $15 knives and forks that are absolutely absurd to eat with. You're gonna, it's all going to come with the apartment. So they're, they're, they're smart. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Well, it's something that we talked about in our story, too, is, like, the average recommendation is, like, your rent should be, like, a third of your income or something, which, that's like, um, I don't know anyone that's, I do not know any college students. I mean, what did we figure out? It's something, like, you'd have to be working a $15 an hour job for something, like, what, like, 25? Minimum wage, you'd have to work a minimum of 25 hours a week to make the bare minimum rent bare for minimum. a four-bedroom. Which is... That doesn't include extra costs, like, which, groceries. Right, which is what we're seeing exactly. in most of these situations. So, you'd have to, to, so like, we're talking, it. like near full-time jobs here to be able to eat to be able to well to be able to afford the place in general and that's excluding you know like groceries and tuition tuition yeah absolutely well and if you if you are a student how does this compare to the price of student housing we, we broke it down. So student housing here, I will say, is really overpriced. Um, and, you know, I lived in student housing for two years. And, like, I mean, yeah, it's – I had a roof over my head and, like, a bed to sleep in. But, I mean, I don't think I had to I, – I think the price of, like, what we had to pay was, like, not all worth the experience. However, we broke it down in a chart, I think, the print edition. It's, like I – th- I, we did, like, the yearly comparison. Because for student housing, you don't live there 12 months a year. It's, like, only for the school year. For 1237 West, or Ion Apartments, the – it's a 12-month lease, so you're paying that for a full year. So if you have the cost of that is substantially higher than for student housing, and it's like, you know, it's just it's not worth it. Overall, it is more expensive, and the cheapest for Lincoln Park, Not we're not talking, we're not discussing Loop Campus dorms. For Lincoln Park dorms specifically, even the cheapest, op- even the most expensive option for the, the duration of your stay at the dorm was cheaper than, than, Ion. than Ion, excuse me. I want to jump into some specific instances that happened here, some things that you guys spelled out in the story, starting with a student named Craig Summers, who woke up one morning to find a strange man in his apartment. This is weird. One of you please tell me this story. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that was Bria's contribution. Um, She unfortunately couldn't make it say, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, the gist of what I believe happened is that they were, you know, having, you know, a Friday night get together or whatever and then one of his roommates I think left the apartment door left the apartment door open to go grab snacks in the bedding machine and then the next morning there was just some guy on the couch and no one knew who it was he had a cut in his forehead 
Um, and they were just like, how did he get in? He got in through the door being open and no one really, there was no indication that anyone had tried to like, you know, prevent this guy from getting into their apartment while they were all sleeping, which is the crazy thing. Um, Although they have all day security, which yeah. you still manage to. And so, I mean, this guy got into the door to their apartment, which yeah. reasonably you could say that's on the guys living in the apartment, but like there what's what's the security faux pas on the ground floor that is letting this person in like what, what are the what are the processes there well so what craig said is that when he lived there he doesn't live there anymore but when he did live there he said that it wasn't really that hard to get in like without the proper id I and mean, we can just like come in with somebody when they're tapping their credentials in um which i mean that could be the situation that happened there i mean it wasn't really laid out how this guy got in but i mean like that's they said it was pretty like, it was kind of easy like, to, like, sneak your way in if you just came in with a group or something, um, mm-hmm. which is scary because it's an apartment building that I don't yeah. want any strangers getting into my exactly. apartment. Exactly. I mean, you, you imagine this whole, like, like given this the fact that this um, apartment is known sort of as a party environment, I mean, imagine, like, a group of 15 people showing up to go to a party and then some stranger notices a giant group entering, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of, like, tags on at the end and then like anyone's getting into this building you know Mm -hmm. and from from what the tenants that we spoke to said it seems like that isn't too too far off from what happened fairly often you add a lot of alcohol to that situation Mm but large groups of people walking around in there that causes problems what's how's that environment affected some of the other tenants just like the party driven young adult Yeah, so one source I talked to, his name is Tyler. He was living there when he was a graduate student, so he was a bit older than, I guess, the the average age range that he suspected living there. I believe he was 25 years old when he lived there, if not younger. But so he said that he had complaints because his, the people that lived above him or near him would smoke weed all the time, which like is not allowed per 1237's leases. You can't do drugs there. Um, and so he would, you know, like call security and he would make complaints and, you know, he just felt like it wasn't being handled properly and those complaints weren't being taken seriously. So there was one instance where he called the police because of all the drug use being going on there. And apparently when he, when security found him the next day, they said, you shouldn't waste the police's resources. Like you shouldn't have done that. You know, why'd you call the cops? And he was just like, well, I called you guys and nothing happened. And, you know, he, he wrote a formal complaint to a manager as well. And he just was so frustrated that, you know, this what was being highlighted in the lease as a absolute no-no was being kind of waved off by a security that lives there. And that was just really frustrating for him because like, that wasn't the sort of environment he wanted to live in. He didn't see his, he didn't think he'd be moving into like a frat house sort of place, thought he'd be living in an apartment building with other adults where, you know, that sort of thing where the rules would be enforced. But it was really frustrating for him from what it seemed like. And the management not being very helpful seems to be a consistent issue here because mm-hmm. I know you talked to um, a young woman who had an interesting run-in with her roommates while she yes. was there got zero response, it seemed, from management. Yes. So I talked to someone named Elise Fong who lived there when she was a freshman, and she kind of had like a kind of an iffy relationship with her roommates at this point. So she had gone home for winter break, and she had locked her bedroom door um, just because she didn't want her roommates going through her stuff, and, you know, just that... For ob- you know, makes sense, right? Yeah, it makes sense. And she told me that she came back from winter break and all of her things that were in like the like living room, the kitchen, common area were put in a box um, outside of their apartment saying to be taken out to the trash. And she was absolutely horrified because that's an awful scenario to be in, especially just coming back from a long break, seeing all your shit just outside to be taken out. Um, she told me that she talked to a manager there and he just kind of like, oh, well, you know, if you want to move out, you know, you can 
kind of up to you. And she was just like, no, like, I cannot live with these people. I don't, like, she said that she was absolutely miserable living with them. Um, and, you know, she would, like, come home and just lock herself in her room every day because she just felt so unable to live with them. And she was just so frustrated that um, nothing was being done to help her out. And she said that um, this instance happened, like, kind of the breaking point moment happened beginning of winter quarter. And she said she was able to transfer a quarter later. So it's like she had to spend a whole other 10 weeks with people who she just, like, could not live with. And that, um... The management just really did not seem to care about her situation. She felt like her money was not only really being valued because she was giving, you know, the building all this money and her complaints were not being taken seriously, which sucks. And this kind of continued in a different way with uh, Madeline Funk. I don't know which one of you spoke to her, uh, Ella, but uh, she had her roommate's boyfriend kind of just move in. Yeah. So, I mean, this is one of those situations where from the outside, you may sort of, and like, certainly at first, I also was thinking this way where it's like, okay, come on, you know, it's like, they have their own room, like, it's just your roommate's boyfriend is just sleeping Mm -hmm. over. But then, as Madeline explained it to me further, this was like, no, like, he's here every single night, even when my roommate's not here, and, like, he's walking around the apartment without clothes on, and, like, I'm coming out of my room and, like, being met to, like, all of the things being used, and I'm not being able to utilize my stuff. Um, He's moving... They they moved some of her stuff out of the common spaces to move some of his stuff in, and, like, I mean, really, this this is just... not on the lease. No, and no, this is just a boyfriend that sort of was staying around... Um, and eventually, what, the way that Madeline described it is he essentially moved into the apartment with them, um, but was not paying anything. And so for her personally, this was uncomfortable. And she went to management and she talked to them and said, I am not comfortable with this. I don't want to cause any problems, but like I really need you to talk to my roommate and try to figure out a way for this to be solved. Um, and in the lease, you know, I mean, worst case scenario, it says that if you're violating their guest policy, which essentially is that no one can stay for longer than three days in a row um, total or six nights in a row, then you can have your lease terminated, you know? And so she was going, look, I don't want to terminate her lease, but I, I really am uncomfortable with this situation. And management did nothing, you know? I mean, essentially, she she said that the farthest Even that this... Even though they were violating management... Exactly, policies. their own policies. She said that, um, essentially, the, the farthest that management would go would be to mitigate a conversation between she and her roommate. But Madeline's like, we, I mean, we've had these conversations, you know? It's like, I've tried that. Like, I need you to, as management, sort of crack the whip on this because it's not working and I don't feel comfortable in my own home. And essentially... What it came down to is that Madeline ended up breaking her lease, and she said that she paid thousands of dollars to get out of her lease just because she she couldn't be comfortable in that position and management wasn't willing to help. Over, I believe, the last couple years, uh, Ion has done, or at least attempted, claimed to do some renovations on Mm -hmm. this place. What did they say they were going to do? What did they do, and how have tenants reacted? When it comes to the, the renovation specifically, um, they, they did what they said they were going to do, which was redo the lobby and then some of the study rooms, but that's the only thing that they did in the renovation cost, $1.5 million um, per the woman at ION that Emma was able to speak to um, Graves, and she did inform us of the renovation, but it was, it was only done to those specific parts of the whole entire building um, for the $1.5 million cost. 
And I mean, yeah, the, the main reaction from, the main reaction from tenants is that they thought it was kind of BS that all this money was spent towards like lobby renovations, where you know they felt like their maybe their rooms weren't up to par. Uh, Tyler, who I mentioned earlier, said his roommate his room was like a prison cell sort of thing, and he was annoyed that you know um, all this like so much money, like over a million dollars, is being allocated towards the lobby when you know maybe the rooms need some updating. Um, and Do the renovations affect the prices at all? Not that we, no. not that we could find. Um, no one mentioned that to us anyway. Um, change the bedrooms. <laughs> well, and then uh, people. And what's interesting too is that, um, despite renovations, the building has failed their last three annual inspections due to issues with their elevator, um, which is really dangerous when you consider that you know it's a six-story building and people probably aren't going to want to walk up the stairs to go to their rooms. So people are using the elevators a lot, and you know if those aren't safe to use and they're failing inspections. And you might want to hop on that, but no, let's fix the lobby, which yeah. we didn't hear any complaints about the lobby being super dangerous. And there's a disabled person living Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah right, like, exactly. It's like, you know, it sounds like, you know, an elevator is an elevator, but at the same time, we think of how, I mean, we use elevators in this building all the time in all of our mm-hmm. classrooms. I mean, if it's not working, that's the primary mode of transportation. I mean, that's a huge problem. Yeah. And I think a $1.5 million renovation could cover that, but I mean, also not... You know, I never really worked in construction, so I don't know if I can <laughs> speak to that. But, you know, just in, it's, it, it's inferred that, you know, they didn't really put their money towards the right... Um, it seemed to me anyway they put their money towards making the building look better rather than, you know, things that were actually needed just to... Just another, like to make another it, way to, to improve the quality the of life. Yeah. Because they have big glass windows that show you the lobby. So you're seeing the $1.5 yeah. million spent on a lobby that they really only use to take photos to post on Post on Instagram, yeah. They... they they have discussed before that they use the lobby to hold, like host events for those who are in the the complex who live there, and you know they'll have free food and all these things. But that's not the issues that they have with the buildings. It's the fact that they could use that money to, for one, update the coffee bar, maybe add some lids <laughs> and skirts, straws, you know, um, better furniture, blinds that work, lights. People need lights in their bedrooms. Anything like that just simply enhance the environment of living there, but instead all they did was enhance an image. And, you know, in addition to that, we did, I think someone mentioned, we did go tour the apartment building, mm-hmm. and when we saw it, I think that there were two people in the lobby, maybe? Yeah. And, like, I'm looking now at our images for this story, I'm seeing three people in the lobby, yeah. and so it's like, we're talking, like, $1.5 million into this lobby, and, like, realistically, I mean... Even when I just think about the fact that right next door to this, to the Ion apartment building, it's still in that complex, is a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how many people are going to choose to sit in a lobby versus going right next door and getting a drink and sitting there, which, yeah, I mean, you know, it just it doesn't really make sense. And I think that that is seen in these images and also in us going there. It's just like people aren't utilizing that space mm-hmm. and yet so much money went toward it. I think it's entirely a scam. This is not a DePaul-affiliated um, structure explicitly. Obviously, there are lots of DePaul Correct. students living there, um, but it's not all DePaul students. Mm-mm. What is... Can someone just go over what the relationship is between this place and DePaul University? And is there any kind of speck of oversight, any help on marketing? Like, how, how much of DePaul's foot is in that door? Sure. So, right now much less than in the past. So DePaul used to be affiliated with what was 1237, now is ION, but they were affiliated with what was uh, 1237. Um, And essentially what 
what that was described to us by Carol Hughes, the representative here as, was a, like a marketing agreement where DePaul, you know, is going to put on their off-campus housing website, go live in this awesome apartment that's right by campus, great amenities, right five-minute walk from campus, and then promote that in that way. However, it has never been owned by DePaul. It's always just been a partnership until... When this, um, I believe the timeline is that when when management switched at Ion, that partnership was canceled. Mm -hmm. And so now they are two entirely separate entities. However, given the fact that it was so integrated Mm -hmm. in in the marketing um, for many DePaul students, it is sort of perceived still as a DePaul building just because of the fact that so many DePaul students live in there. And it used to be so heavily marketed for DePaul students. And I mean, it's worth mentioning too, yes, DePaul didn't explicitly own the building. It wasn't, you know, their, it wasn't their employees, wasn't their, you know, policy and whatever. But if you consider the fact that they did heavily market it, I remember when I was a freshman, they would have representatives in 1237 West and the students that are saying, come into our apartment. So DePaul was, you know, in a way endorsing this building. I mean, so it's not on them to, you know, like regulate things, but they should be keeping their eye on like what's going on. So I mean, yeah, the, the fact that they, um, advertise this building when these things are going on. It's not their responsibility to fix these things, but it's, it's their responsibility to know about it. And it makes you wonder why the partnership ended, maybe because of issues that were described in the story. Um, who knows? Yeah, well, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I do know that when we spoke with Carol, she had said that the university does want students who live there to know that if something happens, they still can come to the university mm-hmm. and tell them. Um, there's just not going to be any way for the university to crack down on the apartment because they don't own it. But if something were to happen, like criminal, they can students can still go to DePaul, and DePaul says that they will help them. To close out here, I want you to imagine that a freshman student has come up to you and asked you, do you know anything about 1237? Is it a good place to live? I want your one-sentence response to them. <laughs> And I'll remind you that there are no community guidelines for page 29. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like, I mean, just to really get to the point, I feel like my one sentence would be like, it's a scam. I mean, it just is. When you really break down everything, what's being marketed is not what students are feeling like they're receiving. And I mean, of all the students we talked to, I can't really think of one who said that they were satisfied with their experience. No. So I would say don't be bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say do your research. I mean, yeah. that, that's basically what it comes down to. It's like if you, I mean, and that goes for like living anywhere. It's like if you, you know, do your research, do your homework, you know, give it a second thought before you, you know, live anywhere. And especially if a place where you're paying $1,000 a month. You know, if you just think to yourself, hmm, this seems good to be too good to be true. It might be. And just might be. You'll get scammed and bamboozled if you don't do your research. You'll get scammed and bamboozled. All connected. Look at that. Uh, scamboozled. Well, that's pretty consistent with uh, everything I've heard from people who live there, only with the addition of lots of F-words. So, um, thank you guys for uh, telling this story and warning uh, prospective students away from uh, this hellhole. Thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. you. Page 29 is produced by Editor-in-Chief Shane Renee, Online Managing Editor Bianca Cheka, and produced and edited by Multimedia Editor Hannah Mitchell. Thanks for joining us.